Welcome to Kelly Memorabilia podcast, issue number five, the podcast which talks all things Kelly, Scotland's oldest and of course best and finest professional football club. And I'm delighted to have in the studio with me tonight a man who's very well known to Kelly fans. In fact, um, I think his fame has, has spread even uh, far and wide recently with his, his TV appearance, which I'm sure he'll uh, tell us a wee bit about later on. And that man is Mr. Sandy Armour, aka the Kelly Hippo. Good evening, mate. Good evening, Rob. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, sir. Yourself? I'm fine. I'm just a wee bit concerned. Obviously, you mentioned the football focus and there hasn't been any talk of your cash changing hands tonight, you know. <laughs> Things have changed since that, you know, epic performance and uh, worldwide television. So as much as I'm a Kelly fan and uh, stuff like that doesn't change me, uh, no. there better be some cash in my bank account in the next five minutes. We'll get the PayPal set up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th thank you very much for asking me on. No, it's a pleasure, a privilege to have you. Obviously, we've, we've known each other for many years. Um, we've had many a chat about all things Kelly um, over those years as well. And I think I think the listeners will be able to tell right from, from the get-go here that, you know, we're both on a high, to say the least, tonight <laughs> after uh, last, last night's match against Dundee United. Absolutely. And really, what a difference, wasn't it? Night and day. I, it was incredible. I, I actually had a deal off my work yesterday. You know what it's like yourself, Rav, as you say, we've known each other for, for decades. Um, and you always get the old buzz. The one thing, if you ever stop getting the old buzz about going, you know, prior to a Kelly game, then it's maybe time to stop. Mm -hmm. But even as you go older, you think you get a bit calmer. So I, I was off my work yesterday, pretty much to sit and do the fanzine and tidy and do wee bits and bobs. But it was really a bit lunchtime. I had literally had butterflies. Whenever time I thought about the football, yeah. you know, the big belly was kind of rumbling a bit more than normal. Yeah. I thought, what's it like? A guy of my age still getting hyper about a sort of, you know, a, a game that is a very important game, but, you know, we've had far bigger, I suppose. But, yeah, it was really just, I don't know, there must have been some, something a bit subconsciously telling me it was a, a huge night. So... When it panned out the way it does, I, I mean, it was I was absolutely buzzing. It was fantastic. If you had sat down and written exactly what you wanted to happen, you know, prior to the games, well, that, that is what happened, and it's very rarely you get nights like that. So, yeah, fantastic night, and we've obviously got a bit of a, a new cult hero in Kyle Lafferty. The, uh, the big man looks as if he had a wee chance of actually saving our season. Very much so, and as, as you say, you could, we couldn't really have scripted last night to go any better, I must admit, when um, I saw Jim Goodwin talking about St Mirren get up the road to Dingwall with a depleted squad, and, you know, they could hardly fill the team bus. They had that many players injured, and they're one nil down at half-time to County, and you think, oh, you know, County are going to get the points tonight, and, and what a turnaround there, which was outstanding for us. As well, and I think the only shame was, as you say, like you, I was I was feeling the nerves last night. Get into that one, but the the, the only regret, if, if there were if there were any at the end, was to think you know rugby part would have been absolutely rocking tonight. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the actually just on one of the streams. I watched the Hamilton Motherwell game. You know, that's how that was my preparation for your game was sitting watching that. So. In all fairness, Hamilton were relatively poor, I thought. They got a man sent off, but 
they're pretty poor. So yeah, ex Cali player goes and scores for them. You think, yeah, that's fantastic. But as you say, you were thinking that that's good. And as long as we can do the business ourselves, which is obviously the most important. Uh, Second half time, yeah, I would. I wasn't expecting St. Month to come back either. If a manager starts putting out these, makes those noises before the game, you're thinking to yourself, well. How much of a focus have they got in this game and how much of a focus is on the, the, the cup quarter final next week? I think the same comments can be applied to St. Mamas and D United and as much as their season, you know, in effect is over. You obviously you're doing their best for a league position, but you know, they're safe and there's nothing really to play for. But their focus might well be the cup and therefore they take their eye off the league a wee bit and onto the cup. So the the recovery by St. Martin with obviously another ex Kelly Lee Irwin getting on the goal sheet as well. Sure. It was, uh, yeah, it was poetic. And as I say, it was absolutely still buzzing at work today. Yes. Uh, we boy, I work was an Air United fan, young boys. I've been having a good laugh every day. So I, uh, it was, it wasn't a happy chappy. I was uh, bouncing into the office. So no, fantastic no. night, obviously. But as I say, I, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of work still to be done. Yeah. Um, but Hopefully, you, I wouldn't mother will, you would start to think we're very, very close to, to safety. I think so. And um, I mean, although obviously a few folk are, are understandably beginning to get excited about the cup run that we're on at the moment as well, and even talking about some parallels to 1997 with the type of season we're having, uh, as you suggested, I think staying in the league is, is clearly a priority. Yeah, of course it is, absolutely. I mean, it, yeah, the, the cup, in all fairness, the cup is, is a bonus and nothing else. If we were safe in the league, you'd be far more excited and, you know, hyper about the cup. As things stand, we all know the, the forefront of our mind is we've got to stay in the league. 28 years we've been up in this, that which in itself is unbelievable. A whole generation of Kelly fans... I mean, we, we've we've done the East Stirling for route rab. We know what it's like, and right. as fantastic as it was at the time, I don't want you to do it again. No. Um, so, no. But there's a, a generation of younger guys who, you know, it'd be an absolute rocket, you know, an absolute bombshell if you were to get relegated. It'd be travelling into the unknown for them. Um, and it's a right. whole, as you know yourself, it's a whole different culture. It's a whole a different world altogether. I think back in the days, what happened was we were... We were a, bit, a wee bit yo-yo, weren't we, through the kind of seventies yeah. into the eighties? Yeah, we were a kind of yo-yo team, and, and you, you you went down sort of with the knowledge that you'll probably come back up in the next few years anyway. That is no longer the case. I think financially, the you know the differences are are night and day. So if you're taking down nowadays, it's it really is a bit of a disaster, yeah. and it's it's huge. So as I say, for for this, you can never. Stop repeating the fact that to be up there for 28 years for a team like Komama is an absolutely fantastic achievement because there's it's very, very few teams done it. That's astonishing. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think looking at clubs like Patrick Thistle, Dunfermline, Falkirk, Morton, yeah. even, yeah. Uh, you know, have been down once they've gone down, even Dundee, you know, have struggled at times to yeah, get back absolutely. up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not glamorous. Um, as you say, <laughs> we've, we've both been there, we've, we've been there, done it, got a t-shirt, picked the box, been to all yeah. these things, and yeah, certainly don't want to go back to that. No. But, but as much as we'd still be there, Rob, we'd still be there, but... Yeah, of course, of course. 
But what what are your some of your earliest memories of watching Kelly? Oof. I mean, I I was the old class, and my my dad was a Kelly fan, so and as soon as I could walk, I was wanting to kick a ball. Apparently, so I was just fit my daft, and you know, I started going. My dad took me to rugby park. I remember, I used to sit. Some early memories sitting in the old main stand, and other times in the Johnny Walker. So it was just a case. I just always wanted to go to the football. And of course, it was the old leftover in those days, Rob, for for us young things. And can you imagine that now? Yeah, for younger listeners, you would actually you had to time this right, didn't you? And, and you would you would go up and or something, you know, your dad, your dad could, could lift you over as well. Yeah. But um, uh-huh. you know, you had to get the right turnstile operator and the click didn't go through in the numbers, and there you were in into Rugby Park for free. And it's Absolutely. you know, unthinkable in, in these days of electronic. Season ticket cards and <laughs> you know those days are long gone. Yeah, yeah. No, it was so as I see, it was just my dad there. If my dad didn't go, there was a neighbour round the corner, Harry, but he'd go for a pint before it. So I remember like myself and Billy, that was Harry's boy. We used to go. He'd nip in for a pint. We'd stand outside the pub and they got a packet of crisps and a can of coke chucked to it, and we'd stand there for half an hour or an hour, and then over to Rugby Park. So yeah, I just I've, I've never known anything else. It's just been. Oh my baby. I tell you one thing which kind of fairly annoys me, but I think people will say what was your first killer game? I've got no idea what my first killer game was. Absolutely no idea. Uh, you know, you have memories of certain games and stuff, but I've, I've no idea what my first killer game. I was too young to the, or I just I just don't remember. Simple as that. I don't I don't know what it was. No, I think as you know, everybody's different in that way, and and for some folk, the kids tell you, they can describe the stadium almost, or, or you know, the atmosphere and, and what that was like, but perhaps, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't name a specific game they were at or, or tell you what the score was that, yeah. that particular day. Um, but thinking about, you know, you're talking there about the yo-yo years, which we experienced in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Are there any, any matches at that time that stand out for you? Again, difficult. I, I remember just a couple of old firm games where there was like lots of trouble and invasions onto the pitch and stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to think. Obviously, there was the the, the game where we, we beat Air United 6-1 with the Fallis hat trick. Yeah. That was Sir early. When was that? Late, late mid-late 70s. 70s? Late 70s, yeah. Aye. Uh, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to think specifically. And I, I don't think one game sticks out to me. You know, I, I remember having memories of you know, as I said, old firm games used to be a lot of boredom, boys on the park fighting, punching lumps at each other and stuff. But uh, in actual games, no, not a lot, to be honest with you. Just a, a mixture, a myriad of all sorts of games and memories. I, I remember um, one New Year game sticks my mind a wee bit. I'm pretty sure we get beat from our, our trophyless friends. The, back in the day, you remember, you used to walk around from one end to the other, but it was a New Year game and my dad was going down... My dad worked the Glazer Metal, and all I remember is we stood in the, it was at the, their end, if you know what I mean, their wee shed end, but there was yeah. a wee terrace and bit next to the main stand, so it kind of went round the corner, so you were like on the same side as the main stand, but the wee terrace and, you know, part of the shed, if you like. And so I'm standing with my dad, and he sees this guy that he knows for the Glazer, because the Glazer big facts at the time, and he knew, he was, he was quite well known. And so my dad produces a wee half bottle of whiskey for inside his jacket, Couple of glasses, the two of them are standing with a half. 
Batman, I'm like, what's going on? You know that? Unbelievable. I mean, if you try, try to explain that new folk will think you're, you're, he's making that up. He's talking all the nonsense, but that yeah. was the case. I remember another game at Somerset when I was very young, very young, and I think there was, there was crowd border. Remember a Kelly fan walking by me with a dart right in the middle of his forehead. Absolutely right in the middle of his forehead. Yeah. Again, another game at Somerset got lifted onto part. There was border. I think it was a nothing each game. I remember it was the guy across the road from me took me down. Uh, took me down uh, that day and again I just have the memories like that wee bits and bobs that I remember I don't really remember like one game one result being outstanding during yeah. the kind of that time to me there was also a game at Somerset wasn't there I, I didn't see this myself but I've heard this story in, in several occasions where a Kelly player was, was over at the, the air section about to take a throw in and, and some of their fans actually pulled them Yes. I to pull them into there. <laughs> aye, aye. I mean, I think that was, I don't think I was, that was something like late 60s, early 70s. Yes. Now, it was either, was it Ross Matthew? Or? It was Ross Matthew, I think, yeah. I think yeah. it maybe was. I, guess, see, I see Ross every home game. Next time I, I see him, I'll maybe chin him. But aye, aye. aye that's a quite well-known story. But I think that was, I mean, I, I, I certainly went to games when Ross Matthew and Eddie Morrison were playing in the... <laughs> When was that again? 70s? Early 70s? Early 70s, yeah. I yeah. was going, but I, I have a notion. I don't think I was at Somerset for the game you're talking about. No, no, I certainly, certainly didn't see that myself. But when you're talking there as well about, you know, thinking back to Rangers and Celtic and, and pitch invasions, and there was certainly a bit of trouble. I grew up on South Hamilton Street. Uh-huh. In a back garden, of course, um, backed onto the rugby park and what is now East Stand. Uh-huh. And I had a just a wee gate that you could you could walk through, you know, at the back of the garden, and you know, like, during the week you could actually open the gate and walk <laughs> up the steps and be in the terrace. And, you know, the <laughs> but of course, that was closed off on a match day. But what yeah. I do remember, you know, being quite small, is uh, my dad used to, to padlock the front gate for our house, and it was this, uh-huh. just this wee lane down down next to it because what had happened it was always Rangers and Celtic. You would get quite a few of them and climb up onto the top of our gate uh-huh. and rampage through our garden, you know, yeah. you know, trampled all the plants and, and whatnot, and climbed <laughs> over the back the back fence and into Rugby Park for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, I was I, I can remember being quite scared of that. It, you know, I've been been a, a small kid at the time and you think, oh I need to stay inside the house in case he's yeah. Hooligans from Glasgow, um, uh, it was defending the garden, you know. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I mean, it was. It was, it was. It's just thinking back then. It seemed to be like big, big crowds. You know, if you check the records, or maybe it's maybe my my mind playing tricks. But I used to get some right decent crowds. I think back then because they used to travel down the far. There would be some form of segregation, but there'd be a lot of non segregation, if you like. Yes. So there was there was always pockets of trouble breaking out and. There was. Hearts was another one we used to get quite a bit of bother with. I was just going to mention Hearts. I, I, I think we were talking a wee bit about this last week with, with James. Um, I, I have quite a clear memory of the Hearts Scottish Cup replays in the 1980s. Right. Where there were huge crowds at Rugby Park, you know, 14,000, 15,000. Yeah. Um, for both of these, it went, it went to three games. And just the trouble. That, that yeah. was caused by the Hearts fans, and they were spilling onto the pitch as well. And yeah, yeah so that that was an odd one. Hearts always brought a 
quite a sizable crowd, and they did that. We always seemed to be to be kind of challenging my hearts. It felt like you know, there was one season where it was it was between us and them for promotion from the first division. Uh huh. Um, and I you remember it was I think it was the second last game of the season at Rugby Park. It was a bit of a decider and a terrible, terrible game. Uh, it was nil nil, in fact. Right. And, and we had to we had to win but was it five or six goals the following mm-hmm. week. Oh, yeah, rings a bell. Rings a bell, did. mate. I did, obviously. <laughs> I think, we, um, gee, back in the day, whenever we were talking again about the UU stuff back then, if we come back up, we were always runners-up, weren't we? We never, we never yeah. seemed to win the, We never seemed to win it. We always get to be runners-up spot to come back up. That's right. You never won the first division. No. No, but it was... You know, thinking back, it, it's such a different time for the club. They are really in the late 70s, um, certainly through the 1980s. And yeah. until... The you know the, the, the rebirth almost wasn't it in the nineteen nineties. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I loved the the film. You get through the, the your your kind of school years, but then you start getting to you know ask your mum and dad to get to the away games, which is a, a whole different level, isn't it? Yeah. That was, I mean, I was <clears throat> the back and bush bus was was my bus of choice in the early days. It was absolutely fantastic. What a what an education. I just remember watching guys that were older than you. And just you thought you're a wee a wee boy and you love killing that. No, I saw you seen these older guys and the passion and stuff that they had for the. I just remember thinking, God, that's amazing, absolutely amazing, just standing and all looking at guys. You know that I thought were really old at the time, which weren't really old, they were in their thirties or forties or something. But they were just so absolutely mad, absolutely mad, killing. And I just standing there thinking, geez, that's absolutely fantastic. That's, I wouldn't aspire to be like that, and yeah, yeah, just and the, the film. I mean, it was Jim Wilson looking back at the back. I mean, Jim Wilson, who absolute Kelly legend fan, isn't he? Um, I mean, he, Jim's ran buses at God since the back and the back and Bush was started at Cape and Golf Club. They, I mean, Jim, they were, they were all uh, they, Jim's a, a great golfer as a boy, and they, but the, the bus started for the area having some some other guys for doing there, and then it. I moved up to back and ended up over at the Cali clubs, I think. Right. I mean, but Jim's been running a bus for as long as I've been going to the fat just about it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. No, it was good to see him getting that article on the standard. Was it last year or the year before? And and getting a bit of credit. And you know, I was looking through a, an old programme from right about the Tommy Burns time in the early early nineteen nineties. Uh-huh. Like, and just you know, there's always a page of news about buses and, you know, a bus where they're leaving from and all that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. And it filled a page in the programme. Yeah. You know, there were that many Kelly buses <coughs> running at the time. Yeah. And that's something that's really changed, isn't it, in the last few years? Uh, as I, I mean, buses, I mean, I just, I just, I, I know how hard it is to, to run buses. I've been involved in running buses myself for a long time. And so, I mean, we pretty much run a minibus now, which runs itself, which is which is far easier. But when you're trying to run a big bus and trying to accommodate, and especially the established ones like the Jim Molson, the, the boys at the Travel Club, when big games come up and mere buses need to put on, these are the guys that step up and put on the extra buses. And the, the, the hassle and the grief that that brings is un, you know unbelievable. And you've got to take your hats off to guys like that that have done that over the years. And for no rewards, a thankless task, to be perfectly honest with you. 
totally thank what's that. But as you see, I, I, my kind of recollection during the kind of maybe the fleeting years of that, I'm pretty sure there was something like 26, maybe a peak round about that figure, right. travel clubs, which was amazing, you know. Okay. I tell you one thing, I've, I've always been, there's always been a great away, a, a great away um, number of buses and fans from out with Comarnock. I think at times Comarnock was disappointed with the number of buses they've had. They always had good, you know, you always had your Drossen boys, Valley boys, etc. And then you did your, the one um, that left the press out, would you make it? The, yeah. You know the one that, yeah. I don't forget. But to say, there was always a big, big, big support from out with. And I always thought there should have been more buses going for the town itself. And I think that is the case in recent years as well, to be honest with you. But, I mean, the, the guys that run buses, you know, you've got the 2020 boys, you've got, um, as I say, the two that we mentioned. Um, there's boys up at the the Saltire now are, are doing their best to put on buses and, you know, the Cadicoy puts on buses when it can, sort of thing. To see, we could have stuck doing, we'll run the bigger buses occasionally, but we're just doing the minibus route these days, just... Mm-hmm. And perfectly, the, the, the probable reason or the reason for that being is if we kept trying to run big buses, we would have stopped because we'd have run out of money. Yeah. You know, it was just, it just was, it was impossible to try and get enough people to, to justify it. So, yeah, very, very difficult. And having said all that, commanders that we support is fantastic. I always used to argue and still would do that their percentage of fans travelling away to their home crowds is as good as anybody, comparable to anybody. And I think it always has been, Rab, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but they don't own buses. That's the time. When you find out how these folk travel, is there planes sneaking up to Edinburgh and stuff? We don't know. About it. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I, it's, but the way I've always loved the way these are fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I think, you know, even the fact that we've, we've been in the Premier League so long, as you mentioned earlier, and the fact that therefore we're playing very often the same teams, whether it's an Aberdeen away or, or Hearts away, Pibs away type match. But despite that, you know, an away day is, is clearly about, it's not just about your opposition, it's it's about the whole day out and, and your friends and folk you've been travelling with for, for years. Absolutely. Know? So so it, it doesn't really matter. But, you know, that, that doesn't lead me to think, yeah, I want to be uh, going to a game at Morton next year instead. No. No, absolutely. You're right, because I think it's... Especially guys your age, you're older, and there's families involved in different things. So the football on the Saturday is likely the chance to get to see your mates. You know, it's as much about seeing your mates as going to the football sort of thing. So, yeah. um, I, it's a social thing. And I mean, there's, there's quite a few times where we've absolutely fantastic day out, and Kelly have been beaten. You know, oh, of course, of course. Uh, there's some great days out, absolutely. But and of course, yeah. it makes it a hundred times better if Kelly actually win. I know, and I, mean, I can remember that the two of us being at um, a couple of away days, it was, it was a very different experience. We were over in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, oh, probably going back about 20 years now, isn't it? Um, and we were playing, I think, Lisburn at the time, and then Glentorn, yeah. and we played played uh, Glentorn a couple of times, actually, in yeah. these pre-season. Well, have I have been twice, eh? Yeah, yeah, but these are good, good days out as well. You know, oh, I think... Fantastic. If I remember, we were in we were in a social club there, wasn't we, at Glen Thorne, and also it was at Harland and Wolf Welders Club. You know, yeah, you could be right, aye. Packed with, with what seemed to be packed with Kelly fans, and yeah. 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 Amazing, absolutely amazing, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Northern Ireland, I mean, I think, although that, that's the old, uh, 
Well, that was the friendlies. I mean, obviously being in Northern Ireland in, in the Euro, in Europe as well, but the friendlies, but the whole that whole thing now seems to be hitting the heat with the, the format of the League Cup starting in the middle of July now that pre-season friendlies are a bit hitting the heat. We had a couple we took a mini bus down to Shrewsbury. Remember a few That's years right. back? That's right. We ran a mini bus down there and we ran one down to Morecambe. I mean right. Shrewsbury do it was fantastic. It was like 90 degrees or something. That's an exaggeration, obviously, for the, the sake of the podcast, but it was an absolutely roasting hot day. Yeah. And we found this wee pub or a hotel, whatever it was, a wee kind of five, ten minute walk along for the ground. Mm-hmm. And we just sat out in this beer garden. It was like been in the middle of the Canaries, you know. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Even that's that, it's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, you know, I know, I, I can remember, I think it was in Kelly Ken. There was there was an account of a lot. I didn't make these ones myself, but there were trips to the Republic of Ireland in the, the mid nineteen nineties, and, and these uh-huh. became quite legendary. You know, yeah. I, think it was I wasn't there myself. Of... I know what you're talking about, and I wasn't there myself. I remember one. They went Sligo's ring the bell. I mean, a lot of the boys, whatever, whatever. Again, that was a pre-season, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and boys were saying Sligo was absolutely amazing. I remember Tommy Adams at the time. That's the, right. Tommy was there. Like Ian Burnett and all the boys, they you know they do all the games and I you know what it's like. The Cali fans are going to cross it stuff like that. They're, they're going over to to enjoy themselves. They're not going to ever look for any bother at. They're looking to go talk to the locals, go to the locals and have a good time with them. And yeah. that's you know that's what makes these wee trips yeah. so special. So yeah, yeah, great great memories. Absolutely. We can back to incredibly two thousand and one with the fanzine, you know, a, a full 20 years. Uh, I've actually got issue number one sitting in front of me just now, <laughs> uh, February 2001. Um, would you ever have thought or imagined, you know, 20 years on, you would still be producing it? No, absolutely not, mate, absolutely not. As I said before, I mean, I, what that was, I, I'd been working doing in England and I missed, I actually missed a few of the European trips quite a few European trips because I was working down in England at the time. I kept my season ticket on just to for the sake of buying it, but I, and I was coming up to home games as much as I could, but I was missing a lot of away games. And as I say, I missed Europe. Actually, the, the Kaiser's Lautl Kaiser story was, I mean, there was another wee boy working down, and uh, he was doing impressing near me, and the two decided they were going to Kaiser's Lautl, but we'd worked out we were flying from Stansted. Right. So... But we had it all planned out. So what I was in the morning, we were going to the, the travel agents to, to book it, to, to get it paid and stuff. I think his, his better half had been nipping his lug scene. You know, you're not going to Germany. So, of course, he pulls out at the last minute and I'm left. And I thought, oh, I didn't want to be get away driving down to Stansted myself for, for Lancashire. So I didn't go on, you know. I regret that to this day, really, because obviously that was one of the great Kelly trips as well. But anyway, I'm digressing. The fans in... As I say, I was working down in England. I come back up to England, and uh, I didn't. I got. I decided to buy myself a PC, and I, I was trying to kind of justify something to be, you know, why we're getting a PC. I need to justify this a wee bit. And I remember at the time, Motherwell. I think Motherwell. I think I'm right in saying that Motherwell had four fanzines at the time, yeah. which seems incredible. They'd one state beyond. They'd waiting for the great leap forwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were all named after groups and individuals that I absolutely loved as well. Was, yeah. that, was, there, was there a Smith Street one as well? Was there? Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't remember. But anyway, so I had been very in a very, very small way involved with Kelly Kane. I'd written the odd article. Yeah. I did 
what I did there was do the kind of distribution to help Richard. So I'd take it around about shops and pubs and petrol stations, I remember. You'd, you know, when a new issue come out, drop off X amount of copies and go and pick up the money, etc. So that was the only reason I was, I was kind of involved in it. So when I got the PC, I thought, and it was great, mate. How can a team like Motherwell have all these fanzines and we'd be absolutely nothing? So I thought, we'll just get a bash. And that's exactly what it was. I mean, I had no, no sort of experience of doing anything like that. I didn't, it wasn't as if I was used to writing or anything. Yeah. Um, so I it just went for there. And, and it, it's just a kind of supply and demand type situation, Rab. If, if it hadn't been for the fans, it's the, the only reason it's still going is because of the fans and the fans' support and local businesses, you know, sponsoring and supporting. And that's the only reason it survived. So no, I would never, ever... It's one of the things that you, you knew that I've been doing it for so long. Um, it's, it's, it comes kind of naturally, do you know what I mean? And you can, without sounding terrible, you can fire one up relatively quickly. I know, remember Richard Cairns telling me, ah, you're all right with your PCs and stuff. Back in the day, he was just tightening up the typewriter. So right. if I had to do that, I'm sure it would have stopped long ago. I would have, yeah. I would have got totally fed up long ago. But as I say, it's a lot easier now on the PCs. Yeah. Um, right. You know, it's hard to say for the simple reason you, you don't do it on the one, you know what I mean? I mean, I sat yesterday and maybe did about 10, 12 pages or whatever yesterday. And as, as you probably know, that we'll, we'll take some articles off, you know, there'll be some generic story and some people have written something in a, an yeah. article online. So you might be copy and paste that with a new article. So again, that's cheating if you like a wee bit, but it's, it's you know, it's cutting back in the time I need. I only do that if it's relevant. I don't particularly like doing that. Yeah. And I think I have got a wee bit lazier as, as time went on. I should be doing more interviews and stuff with folk, mm-hmm. uh, which are great. And they fill a lot of space. They're, they're good for fans in the, the interviews, and I think folk quite like them. But again, I've got the habit a wee bit, so I will try and, and get some more interviews done. So it's just one of these things. You get to a point where it just, it's just natural. It's like a second nature, and you just do it. And when, it's far better, see, when you've got the fans sending in their articles, that so, so much better, uh, you know, when you get a, a more varied viewpoint and a wider range of articles, they're the best, the best issues. But, I mean, over the years, folk will say to me, ah, oh, that was a really good issue. And I, I, I know sitting, I've maybe scrambled this issue together at the last minute and think, well, that's absolute crap, you know. Yeah. I, I shouldn't be putting that out. And then somebody will say, oh, that was a cracking thing. And then other times when you've put a, a good amount of work in and you think, oh, that's a good article, or, or a good, you know, a good issue. And other folk will say, oh, that wasn't something you think of. <laughs> so, <laughs> you've just got to, you can't even worry about these things, you just put it out yeah. there, as for it is, because you'll never please everybody, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, when, when people think about fanzines, very often their mind maybe goes back to the late 1980s when they first appeared, and, you know, it seemed at the time Every club in the country had one. Yeah. And of course, you mentioned Kelly Kane, and we also had Paper Roses as well, um, yeah. which ran for a short time. It's excellent. I, I know the boys. And I, I mean, Stevie McGill and a few boys. Stevie was the main boy who did that. And I worked yeah. with Stevie, uh, having to be Jimmy Clark. And I mean, that was it. Paper Roses was excellent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the boys still go to the football every day. They still don't miss a game, you know, I still see them all the time. But really, it was, it was a pre-internet age and it was a chance for, for fans then to have a voice, really. And, and very often, you know, some fanzines were, were based on, you know, trying to change the way perhaps their club was run or the way their club was spending money. 
you know, other fanzines were, were based more in, on humour and so on at the time. But um, obviously, the Kelly Hippo has, has been involved in, in quite a few campaigns, very you know, positive campaigns over the past 20 years. Yeah, and I think back to, to a couple of ones that stand out for me. Certainly, fifty for the future, and also the the half price season ticket. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I think you're right. To me, when I think about it, and somebody will, somebody may have factually in the know maybe pull me up. But coming through the kind of Thatcher years, and you know I was brought up. My my dad was a a shop steward and a very big union minded person, so I was brought up in a very labour minded. A household and yeah. you know Thatcher was you know was the devil you know <laughs> still is to this day if you ask me however I think in that full that full period there was this huge sort of rebellion feel both in sport and in music and in everything you know the the punk and the this the two-tone and everything uh, sort of era for music yeah. and all through that and I think it all linked in I think it was all part of the culture at the time yeah. a sort of almost an anti-Thatcher type thing so and I think fanzines came out of that sort of period and that's uh, they were certainly booming around about that period and so you're right there was a very much a uh, rebellious type streak anti-establishment if you like to a degree that, about fanzines and I think as, as times went on that's very much softened and I think we all realise and I think that the trust movement in the same way realises it's all about fans trying to have a say in their club as opposed to um, just being you know told to sit down and shut up and do as you're told. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for me, the fanzine was always about giving fans a voice. That's, to me, it's always about giving fans a voice. And any campaigns we run is to the benefit, yes, to the club, but priority to the fans, first and foremost to the fans. And I think that's what we've always tried to do. I mean, to be fair, the 50 for the future, yeah, that was very much, you know, myself and we got a few of my mates, four days, basically get involved in it and doing it. Which I think was a great thing. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I see obviously there's, there's a big issue this season about the season tickets. Yeah. Feel very sorry for the club. It's just obviously circumstances. And uh, well, if we want the club to be to be challenging and bringing in Kyle Lafferty, etc., then we're going to have to help them in terms of raising finance. So the, the days of sitting back and asking Billy Bowie or whoever else to put money in, we'll have to get away from that mindset, I think. Yeah. I should I'm not sounding like a fancy editor here, am I? I'm saying the establishment, but I think it's all about everybody together, and I think there's more and more, especially a club, a community club like ours, yeah. where the, the fans really have to step up and play their part. And I think if ever the clubs that are needed is it's now when they find us on a potential, you know, that there's a potential financial issue here through no fault of their own, where they might have a, a downturn in their financial and the, the money going into the club over the summer. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to all try and say, oh, now I personally think. That it would have been a great time to do a buy one get one free. Um, you know that you would you would find obviously it's all about finding somebody that, that you know a non-season ticket person, sure. and I think we, we could all do that. I think that it was a, a great opportunity to do that. That way the the club's income would have been protected. They would hopefully still, if for example we sold the exact same number as last season, they would get that exact same amount of income, and the fans would benefit because they would likely do the wee split with the the person that they share the ticket with. So, yeah, yeah I think that, that was a, a possible something that could have been looked at. But as I say, there was a wee group been looking at it and I'm sure they're doing their very best. I know they've come up with some proposals. Yeah. I'm actually, when I was off, I was telling you I was off yesterday, I was, I'm was i writing a wee bit about the, season, the full season ticket situation. So, 
is one of the hard to pose of his writing. It's, it's hard to know, isn't it? You know, when assuming we are able to get back in August with, with things the way they are, um, it's, it's looking more positive at the moment, of course. But I would imagine even then, there will, uh, you know, folk, folk think, well, crowds will be flocking back. I, I don't know. I, I don't know which way it'll go, you know, in the early days of this, where some folk maybe still feel a wee bit reticent, a wee bit hesitant, you know, yeah. um, they're out in crowds again. Whereas, of course, a lot of folk naturally desperate to get back to Rugby Park after yeah. after what feels like a, a decade away, yeah. to be honest. Um, but, I, you know, as you say, season tickets are going to be a really hugely important uh, revenue stream for the club next year. And of course, uh-huh. as, as we always say, you know, yeah, it's fantastic to have somebody like Kyle Lafferty coming in and we're all hoping, of course, that he signs on for next season. But, you know, that needs to be financed. Absolutely. And yeah. um, how do we make up for that? You know, how do we make up the wages? Yeah, absolutely. I feel exactly the same. My, my thoughts are exactly the same in as much as I can't decide if there'll be a huge return and folk are just desperate to get out. Yeah. I, I actually have a wee feeling that you're right in, in terms of there's people are very weary and they're not be wanting to go and all of a sudden be sitting in big crowds arm to arm with some with folk again. And I think, I, I'm not sure there'll be a, a big... I think if we get status quo, as in the crowds are pretty much the same as what they were previous, we'll be doing okay. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I think realistically, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's optimism there, of course there is. There's light. I mean, I read a thing today that the, some Glasgow Live or whatever you call them are, are looking at um, applying for an application for Glasgow Green for a big, huge fan zone for the Euros. So, I mean, they have to get government approval for that, but at the end of the day, it gives you a bit of hope that some of these organisations have maybe, you know, had a few conversations with folk and have been told it might be worthwhile doing that, because if that's the case, then surely we'll be looking at fans getting back at the start of the season, you know? Surely. surely. You know, and, and football obviously has been rocked, I think, this week. It, you know, it's concerning <laughs> when uh, the game makes the front pages of the newspapers and, and the way that it's done in England in the last few days. And, you know, we were, we were talking earlier before we come on tonight. It's moved suddenly from a European Super League to today. You turn on the radio and it's a British Super League. And <laughs> here, here, here we are talking yet again about Rangers and Celtic joining the Premiership, you know, and yeah. <laughs> I, I still don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, ultimately, do you think it would be a good thing if it did? No. I mean, the, the, the knee-jerk reaction is, I absolutely get them out of here and let the rest of get on with it, you know. Mark and I thought, when it, I mean, you're right, I think when you were talking about like, 2001 when started the fanzine, I'm sure we had articles regarding this round about that time. Yeah, well, I'm talking about it 20 years on, you know. Yeah. Mark and I, my thinking is they'll never leave Scotland. Now, there might be somewhere down the line where there's a, some sort of expansion to the, you know, the, you know what I'm saying, the European, that almost like with the Super League one wanting, where they still want their domestic football and stuff. They just want something a wee bit extra on top of it to bring in more money. I mean, the hypocrisy has been stunning, hasn't it, in terms of the Super League? I mean, sky and outrage about the Super League and stuff. I knew we've got, you know, a potential British Super League, you know, in the back of the full, you know, every fan in the country just about, you know, totally against this, the, the, the European Super League. And now today, as you say, they're talking about a British Super League. Now, what's the, most, what's the, 
you know, what's the, the thought behind that? It's money. It's like absolute greed and money. There's no other reason. No. You know, if, if they want competition, Celtic Rangers can have competition. They just need to be fair with the distribution of money in Scottish football. Uh, and, you know, it's, oh, it's unbelievable. As I say, it's just hypocrisy all over the place. Uh, in answer to your question, I don't think the British Super League, I don't think that lot will, will go anywhere. If, if there was a if there was a British Super League come in, I would like to think the authorities would say, okay, that's fine. And much like UEFA were sort of saying, just you go and do that, but you're only playing in your domestic league. But yeah. I think we all know that the pillars that be in the Scottish uh, football don't have the, the backbone to make decisions like that. So yeah. you can end up with our cult teams playing in the, the second yeah. division or whatever, you know, that would come back in. But I mean I, I absolutely I I don't know how that I, I I don't I don't see it happening as I say my my thought my my thought on it for all my life on my football and support life and I don't know when this was first muted but, um <laughs> thirty years ago or something I don't know oh, but um yeah, I, I, then I didn't think it would happen for a variety of reasons I don't think my views have really changed at all you know I don't think England particularly wants them I think it's about like, I think, I mean, I, I just always look at it and, and you'll be the same yourself from how does it affect killing? You know, that, yep. that's the bottom line. And wouldn't it give us a league where we had a, we would have a better chance of actually winning the league or at least uh-huh. getting, a, getting more of a consistency in qualifying for Europe? And, you know, if we were in the Scottish Cup and the League Cup, yep. we'd get more of a shot at that. I think so. Yeah. And, you know, off the back of that, I, I do see... I think we've spoken of this before, and you know, the only way in, in, in many respects to guarantee an increase in crowd figures is a successful team in the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. And if the team's winning and the team's up the top end of the league, and, and there's a real sense that you can win a trophy, I, I think the crowds at Rugby Park would increase. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, it'd, be, it'd be a huge task. I mean, in the, in the situation, in the scenario where Celtic Rangers left, I mean, they would go and as I say, if they were to go in that, they, they would not be winning trophies or doing anything like that. And I think the sort of glory hunting element of the support would, would vanish and you would see their crowds reflected in that. In terms of Scott, the, the rest of the teams, if the, the rest of these were left, it'd be a huge job in terms of marketing it, you know, and, and selling it as a, a good product and get, you know, TV companies, etc., with money to, to, you know, to, to let it, you know, blossom and, and they build, if you like. Because there's still teams here that can generate decent crowds, you know, ourselves included. Yeah. You obviously your your big city clubs as well, your Edinburghs and your uh, Aberdeen, your Hibs Hearts and D clubs, etc. So they, they would still be, and it'd be, be a good, it'd be a good competition. It'd be a far more open competition. Everybody would feel, literally, everybody in the top division would feel they've got some sort of chance at the start of the season. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would, I would like to see just to see how it would pan out. I, and I think it would find its level. I don't think, you know, that it would, you know, crash and burn. I think it would find its level and survive. But I think a lot of it would be vital to the right people running it so that we, we, we brought the right people on board to bring the right, you know, TV deals, et cetera, to let it, to let it flourish, you know? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Scotland, uh, the people of Scotland just have a passion for, for the game of football. Um, and I know there are statistics that suggest Per head of population, we've, we've got among the best, if not the best, level of crowds and attendances at football matches in Europe. Uh-huh. 
And therefore, you know, as you say there, you've, you've got City Clubs, the Aberdeens, Hibs Hearts, Dundee United, etc. Um, you would expect a, a good sustainability in their crowd levels uh, if they had a chance of winning trophies. Uh-huh. So, so who knows, you know. Um, but ultimately, of course, our, our hope at the moment is that Kelly are able to stay in, in, in this league. <laughs> and in 20 years' time, Rab, we'll be sitting doing the Nursing Home podcast. Still saying the same. <laughs> news has just broken that there's going to be a British league. And we'll be having the same conversation. I'll be wandering about in the Zimmer saying, not in my lifetime it won't. I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think, though, as, as we said at the start of, of tonight's episode, um, we're, we're both very upbeat, uh, particularly after last night. I think we're, we're almost looking forward. Well, yeah. In a sense, looking forward to the remaining uh, few matches of the season and quite hopeful now that we are going to stay up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, to put it in perspective, we're upbeat in terms of staying up, you know, and that, that we need to think, right, we don't want to be doing this again next season. I think we waited far too long. I think since it has been said elsewhere, but there's been a lot of bad decisions made, I would say, since the, since the Steve Clark era. And as much as we all knew it was a a very an impossible job to follow him and oh, try yeah. and maintain the standards that he he had brought to the club. Um, there's still been mistakes made. There's been bad decisions made. I think the club, the board, need to recognise the shortcomings in terms of expertise and especially related to the football side of things rather than the business side of things. So we need to get the right people on there. I think recruitment's been very poor um, in, a, in a lot of areas. So yeah. But, we we just we're certainly upbeat in terms now that we can stay up. But if we do that, we need to recognise the mistakes we've made. Yeah. Try and try and get the people in to saw that. I think we brought the manager in, albeit he was brought in far too late. Mm. But I think we have brought in a good guy. Yeah. And I think he. I think if we stay up, I'm quite excited to see who he brings in and what he does with us in the next year or two. So yeah. that really really upbeat in that sense. Yeah. First and foremost, of course. We just want to stay t- ten place, and as I say, I honestly, still think the cup is just a. I'm I'm not over fussed about the cup, which sounds ridiculous from the quarterfinals, but I know just tenth yeah. place. That's what it matters to me just now. Yeah, yeah. I know I you used the word bonus earlier on to, to describe the cup, and I think that's what it is. Although you know, I can understand people's excitement, and rightly so, when when you draw in the quarterfinals at Murden at home, and you think, well, every chance there of a semi final. And yeah. who knows where that will take us? You know, if, if we get yeah. another favourable, if, if we get through to the semi-final, and we get another favourable draw, then you never know. You never know. But but I mean, absolutely priority staying in the league. I, I mean, I think maybe the excitement levels for the cup would be a lot more if we were actually going to the games, Rab. You know, yes. I think that it's still a, it's a surreal sort of feeling that we're sitting in the quarterfinals of the Scottish exactly. Cup, and we're not going to get there, and we're going to be sitting watching it in the telly. You know, it's I know it's weird, very weird. So, but still, at the end of the day, the record books will still show if, if we have to storm on and win the cup, the record books will only show that there was nobody there. It'll just show that we were the winners. Absolutely. And and we'll have to then think about the open top bus and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Socially distanced. Socially distanced. I joined Finnish Street would have a wee issue. Huh? <laughs> the, guy, the council boys are boot with their paint tins doing every two metres up John Finnish Street. It could be a problem. <laughs> well, I look forward to that. <laughs> well, Sandy, it has been an absolute pleasure as always. 
uh, to speak to you tonight. Many thanks for, for your time um, and for, for as, as ever coming on and having a great chat just about all things Kelly. Um, I know that the listeners will, will have enjoyed um, some of the memories that, that you've been going through there and hearing all about the fanzine and also the trust and, and many other things connected to the club um, this evening. And it's good, it's good uh, this week, as I say, every week we've been doing this podcast, it's been getting a bit, I don't mean the podcast, been getting better. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure it has, mate. <laughs> I mean, the way Kelly seemed to be performing is getting better, I think, since it started. Uh, I better, I better, I better not say this too loud, no. I think we've lost a game since the podcast started. Oh, no. <laughs> So we'll see, see how long that holds for not too long. Hope they're going to play that back to us, Rob, and say, there was the moment. There was the moment. If I, no, the pleasure's all been mine, mate. I just want to take the chance to thank all the fans, thank yourself and all the fans for, for supporting the fans even over the years and for all the businesses that supported it and continue to support it. As I say, that's the only reason it's still been going. So I do the easy bit, but it's just it's, it's thanks to the fans. So it's very, very much appreciated. Absolutely. It's a fantastic publication. I think I do have pretty much every issue of it, as you know. I always <laughs> I buy it. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> always well, buy the, it from The one issue I've got with is, of course, I've been doing it online as to what I do when things can I come back to normal, sir, but that's yeah. to be decided. Of course, aye. Yeah, decisions to be made there, clearly. Aye. Back to normal. And, and we hope to see it back in print, you know, as you say, if that's possible. Yeah. Um, and it continues yeah. online. Um, but yeah, and, and here's the all 20 years of it, definitely. And, <laughs> and, um, but many, many thanks also, not, not just to, to Sandy for, for say, a fantastic chat. I've, I've really enjoyed it tonight. Uh, but also to, to all the folks who subscribed this week in the last few days on Twitter. Um, I know we ran a, a wee competition there for some Kelly memorabilia bits and pieces, and I will be getting these out to you. I'm, I'm, Yes, should be getting them by the weekend. But many, many thanks for, for the kind words we've had this week and also for the, the subscriptions. Uh, thank you for that. And we will speak to you again very soon. So it's good night for me and it's good night from Sandy. Good night, everybody. Take care.